Hi, everybody. Welcome to Aaron's Crochet Corner. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Aaron's just to say that. Welcome to Aaron's Crochet Corner. ECC. What's this episode about on Aaron's Crochet Corner? It's about single stitch. Oh, isn't it EKK? You, isn't it Aaron's Crochet Corner? What? Corner? KKK? <laughs> Aaron's. Oh, that's just Karen. Never mind. Sorry. This is actually the Weird World Podcast. Oh, oh shoot. Wrong, <laughs> wrong show. We're thinking of renaming it. To the craft corner. Hey, Fuck that yeah. Would, that would be good. Mm, I don't know how that would work on a podcast. Yeah. White ladies describe their crafts. <laughs> that would <laughs> be delightful. I'm doing a I'd single listen. stitch and I'm doing it again. And <laughs> again. I can't again. even I can't even follow it when I see directions on the internet in yeah. words. I, I need, need it. I need a video. Yeah, I need it done Feel like me. we're getting sidetracked. <laughs> My name is Carrie. I'm Aaron. I'm Dean. And Dean's going to tell us something about something weird. Okay. Right? Yes. Just You've like made to promises. clarify, I am Aaron of the famed Aaron Crochet Corner. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So uh, let's start off with something that's been in the news lately, ripped from today's Twitter headlines. That is... That's an oxymoron. Elon Musk. Oh. Was he, was he talking about lately? Our His favorite, full name? I have favorite. no idea. Elongated muskrat. <laughs> just actually... A little known fact, it is true. He says he wants to nuke Mars. That's Why? right. He wants to explode nuclear weapons on Mars. That's the planet, by the way, not the candy bar company. Because I was say, one is a terrorist threat. One is <laughs> to aliens a terrorist threat. Yes, to the Martians. He's created quite the buzz on Twitter, by the way, and other oh, social media. He's high as fuck. I'm glad I'm like not 24/7. on Twitter. Like 24-7. This is the latest profoundly stupid idea, it's as only Elon can, Elon can bring us. But here's why. He says, Elon says that detonating real, actual nuclear warheads on Mars will release carbon dioxide trapped beneath the polar ice caps of Mars into its atmosphere. Well, you got to nuke it. Can't you just blow it up like with some well, good old-fashioned C4? No, no. This takes nukes. This, mm. this is polar ice caps. I mean... If you wanted to do that, you would need nukes. Let's be honest. I'll give him that. This would raise the temperature and warm the planet through, in this case, and actually a beneficial global warming effect. But but think of Martian climate change in a real big hurry. That's the idea anyway, Why? right? Why? So we can go live there someday? Of course. And he can make a lot of money taking us there into SpaceX rockets. That's the idea. And so, it's not like we have world hunger. <laughs> yeah, but he can't profit off of world hunger. So, yeah. How long does it take to get there? A long time. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm at least putting the kibosh days. on this plan. Longer than it takes to drive to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> it would, and depending on how fast you drive. Mm-hmm. This process would result in an atmosphere that, that would be more Earth-like, he says, and eventually inhabitable by humans, right? At least outside of domes, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, whose eyes almost popped out in um, Total Recall, as yeah. you might recall. Classic, classic scene. Check it out. So to, to Musk, actually, Mars is, is a, quote, fixer-upper planet. <laughs> And he says nukes could fix it. How okay. are you going to get nukes? Uh, well, yeah, you know, that's that shit made that hard. What Black does Neil market. deGrasse Tyson say about this plan? We don't know. Yeah, or, I, Neil. or Bill Nye the Science Guy. He shook his head and said, I'm not going to get on Twitter today. <laughs> <laughs> I might say something that people are going to be mad at. So, according to actual science, though, Elon is wrong. Okay. Yeah, I mean, nuking Mars would release carbon dioxide. Yes, that's true. But there would not be. 
anywhere close to enough CO2 to make it inhabitable by humans. And wouldn't there be radiation everywhere? There would indeed be yeah. radiation Haven't everywhere, we yes. forgot about that? Yeah, that's, he leaves the details. He's the idea guy. It's so, like when he built a tunnel that was useless for tie trapped boys. I had, yeah, I had this brilliant plan of something he knew nothing about, and then when the expert on it said, you don't know what you're talking about, he said that expert was a pedophile. Because yeah. that's, that's what mature human He's beings a 14-year-old do. 14-year-old boy mm-hmm. with hair plugs. Uh, right now, Mars' atmosphere has 0.6% of the carbon dioxide that Earth's atmosphere have. Oh, that's not has, That's one half of 1%, right? Releasing all of the trapped carbon dioxide on Mars would bring this up to 7% of Earth's mm. level of carbon dioxide. Earth doesn't have a ton of carbon dioxide, but it has far more than Mars. Oh, so. Mars, Mars, remember, has a super, super thin atmosphere. So much, much thin, and, and also, by the way, much lesser gravity. So mm. that would also mean that the Martian atmosphere would be unable to retain the vaporized CO2 that the explosions would release. And so it, it would be pointless anyway. Right. It would go out, mostly go out into the space. That's what I was going to say. It wouldn't be a permanent no. thing. No. And there's still the question of the fact that Martian atmosphere has very little oxygen, which is something it turns mm. out we need. Yeah. Right, right? We're hooked on it. <laughs> so if you're wondering, where did Elon get this idea put into his head. Also Twitter, probably. Pro- well, no one really knows for sure, but mm. some people have theorized that they trace it to a science fiction writer named Kim Stanley Robinson. He wrote a, a trilogy about Mars, and what he kind of talks about and takes up the, a similar scheme, but even Robinson, he admits more recently that this that was unrealistic, you know, and, yeah. and, and also let's not forget that though Robinson is a brilliant science fiction writer, he is a science fiction, fiction. writer, fiction. not a scientist. Different things, Elon. I don't know if you knew that yeah. or not. Uh, possibly, though, he got the idea from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and took it way too seriously. As you, I'm sure, recall mm-hmm. in this movie, <laughs> they are going to test a thing called a Genesis device, and this transforms lifeless planets or planetoids into habitable ones in a kind of Koyana Skotsky-like montage kind of way. It's very huh. beautiful. If you haven't seen the movie, please see it. Never saw it. The best of the Star Trek movies. Many, many say. I, mm, I think I agree with I that. I like the one with the whales. Shut up. He <laughs> died to me. It's because you, know, you don't even see Star Trek Wrath of Khan, which, by the way, listeners, I just found out yesterday that my wife has never seen Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. I was so hugely disappointed. Because it came out before I met you. Jesus, <laughs> no excuse. Anyway, this is called terraforming in the movie. Mm-hmm. So Musk possibly thought he was watching a documentary. Yeah. Or he was super, yeah. super, super high. Thought he heard David Attenborough's voice and just went with it. <laughs> or both. Never know. Thought it was high and heard David Attenborough's voice. <laughs> he was high. He heard David cool. Attenborough, which was actually William Shatner. His girlfriend but... couldn't save him. <laughs> he has a rich girlfriend now? No, a witch girlfriend. Oh, okay. She's oh, like... that she's a witch. Yeah. Okay. So if, uh, here's the thing, though. If Musk's takeaway from that classic movie was the planet-forming scene, rather than when Shatner screams, God, after the son he just found out, out about is killed, then he did not get the point of that movie. Okay? That's all I'm saying. Or maybe that's why he's a billionaire and I'm yeah, not. Yeah, there you go. Is that he thought, hey, you know what? Terraforming. Nope, generational wealth. <laughs> yeah, how did he get his riches? I don't know. I don't know Stole either. gold from South Africa. I have no mm-hmm. idea. He conned a lot of people to give him a lot of money. Yeah. Or like, white man. Yeah, well, you know. 
like most things that Elon Musk does, really, he maybe he just wanted us to start talking about Elon Musk. Yeah, not enough, yeah, not enough Elon in the in the media at the time. So, like, oh shit, that one rapper like dragged him and exposed him for ha- getting hair plugs. <laughs> well, you really on his hair plugs, his aren't you? Girlfriend, yeah. Okay, I didn't know he had hair plugs, but I mm, I don't know. It's the least of his problems that I have with him. I know, but hair plugs. Are maybe Elon's just trying to sell T-shirts? Because oh, yes, in a, in a recent tweet about this scheme, he then added a second tweet that just said, quote, T-shirt soon. Oh, my God. Apparently to whet the appetite of his 28 million Twitter followers. I don't follow him. Pretty By proud. the way, I call them Muscovites with a K. Trademark me just now. <laughs> note also, I want to also note that all of the articles that I called up on this Elon Musk Mars thing had embedded ads for Nuke Mars t-shirts. I oh, shit you not. So I, you know, makes you think. Huh. Anyway, that was the goal. Mission accomplished. Elon, we're talking about you. Maybe you're selling some t-shirts. Now go dream up some new dumb ideas to get us all excited about. Or you can dream up an original idea, Elon. And you could help the world, but no. Because it turns out, this brilliant idea may not be so original after all. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. And now we turn the focus of our podcast. I was just just a, oh, just, it's not about Elon just a little framing device there. We're going to talk about what may be the origins of this horrible idea. And they start really, well, they start before this, but they started in a public way in the mid-1990s. So going back, going back in time, it's the mid-1990s. Many, many eons ago. Right? Friends is at its creative height. <laughs> of course. Seinfeld, making people laugh consistently. About nothing. Carl Sagan also is very much alive, at least. Fuck yeah, Carl. Barely. He was Mm. going to die very soon in 1996. In fact, though, Carl Sagan was not just alive, but he was world famous on the television show Cosmos. Mm -hmm. Carrie, as you recall, I'm sure. I do. He told half a billion people about the billions and billions (laughs) of stars that were out there that some of them might hold sentient life and got us all excited about the stars for a short time. Mm -hmm. He had written Contact, the novel. Fuck yeah, Contact! Jodie Foster had not started the movie yet. That would would come later in the decade. It combines science and spirituality. It does, it does indeed. In a a very edifying way. feeling way. Yes, it does, it does. Still, he was the most famous scientist in the world. He was a kind of white Neil deGrasse Tyson at the time, and he was very worthy of a biography. But he didn't. He wasn't problematic. Ooh. Oh shit! Now Carrie's casting shade mm-hmm. on Bill my Nye's man. Bill Nye's problematic because sometimes he's mean to people. Oh, you know, no one isn't sometimes mean to people. We got to be a little less problematic about people. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I'm not talking about being mean to people. I'm fine with people being mean to people. Carrie's <laughs> <laughs> pro bitch. mean. I don't give a shit. Her bumper sticker says, "I like mean people." <laughs> so anyway, it's 1996. Key, or so, uh, a writer named Key Davidson decides to write a biography about Carl Sagan. Cash in some some of that world fame that Carl has. So he studies everything about Sagan, right? It, Wait, is this after Carl Sagan's death? It's right around uh, he's is it dying. authorized? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. But that happens all the time. I know. <laughs> the vast majority. In fact, I, honestly, I would trust an unauthorized, unauthorized biography over an authorized biography in a heartbeat. So... Key Rob- Robinson looks into everything about Sagan, including his early years when he was a young graduate student at the University of Chicago. He's, while he was studying there at Chicago, Sagan had applied for a scholarship from UC Berkeley's Miller Institute in 1959. 
Whoa. So as part of his accomplishments, you know, he's doing his little CV there, mm-hmm. saying how great he was to the scholarship board, I guess, whatever. He listed two papers that he had collaborated on from 1958 and 1959, right? Mm-hmm. The 1958 paper was called, quote, Possible Contribution of Lunar Nuclear Weapons Detonations to the Solution of Some Problems in Planetary Astronomy. Very catchy title, you have to admit. Sure. The 1959 breezy crick read was titled, quote, Radiological Contamination of the Moon by Nuclear Weapons Detonations. Also sounds interesting, doesn't it? Mm. I'd read them. I like the word detonations. Both. Why? <laughs> Why? I don't know what it is. We will get to that. Okay. Both of these papers referenced and were indeed made possible by Sagan's work on a top-secret U.S. government program that was still unknown and secret in 1999 when Key Robinson published his book about Carl Sagan called Carl Sagan, A Life. Super clever title also. <laughs> not a good life. Not a great life. <laughs> alive. I'm not going to go on any It's alive. You decide for yourself. <laughs> In fact, Robinson thought that Sagan, back in 1959, had had violated the law by mentioning these two top secret hmm. works in his scholarship application. Yeah. Which, of course, leads to the question, though, of why Robinson thought it was okay to mention these works in 1999 if he thought yeah. Sagan, having done so in 1959, was illegal. Oh, did Sagan reference them? In his application, yeah. which was public. Oh. Not, I mean, that wasn't... Shout it to the world. No one knew about right. it except it's a the public university. But still, it was a, a public thing, and he said, "Hey, hey, look, people who don't, who aren't knowledgeable about this top secret program, I worked on these two papers about yeah. this from this top secret program, and, and huh. this is 1959." So, so Robinson thought, "Yeah, he probably that was probably illegal when he did that in '59." <laughs> maybe Sagan thought no one would notice. Maybe Kim Robinson thought no one would notice when he mentioned the, this breach of protocol in 1999 in his book, right? Yeah. Someone did notice, though, Robinson's book. A reviewer for the prestigious publication Nature noted Robinson's mention of Sagan's leaks in his 1959 application. And as I mentioned, uh, uh, you were going to say something? I was going to say, was it Robert Mueller? <laughs> what? <laughs> Who noticed? His, oh, um, no, it was some uh, a book reviewer at Nature in 1999, <laughs> not Robert Mueller. Yeah, no. he probably doesn't have a whole lot of clout. No. Yeah. But again, Nature was a prestigious magazine at the time because this is, I think, before around when they published the fraudulent article by that piece of shit who invented the anti-vax movement that continues oh. to kill kids to this day. Uh, but that's another podcast. Yeah. Let's, not, let's not do that. But its prestige meant that a lot of people read it. A lot of scientists read it, right? One of those scientists was a man named Leonard Riefel. I'm going to pronounce it Riefel. No idea. It's R-E-I-F-F-E-L. Leonard Riefel was a top mm. physicist who had worked for decades many, on many top secret government programs, right? So he's reading Nature. He reads this review of this book by Key Robinson about Carl Sagan and, and sees that Carl Sagan did probably have a breach of protocol in 1959 with his scholarship application. So Riefel says, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go public. Sagan's, he said, yeah, you know what? Sagan's application was considered a breach of secrecy back then in 1959. And I know that's true because I was the head of the program that he's talking about back Ooh, in 1959. Shit. Wait, Riefel said this? Yes. Oh. So Riefel just went public oh, after okay. the Nature, Art- Nature Review article made it public. I think right? it's Rifle. 
Okay, rifle. I'm going to say rifle. Because it rhymes with the Eiffel Tower. I'm now changing to rifle at Carrie's behest. (laughs) Presumably, rifle gave Sagan some kind of a slap on the wrist because, again, no one in 1959 noticed that Sagan had done this breach because, you know. But also, who cares 40 years later? Yeah. It's still still secret, though, at the time, in 1999. Hmm. In... Uh, 1999, though, Riefel decided he would take the opportunity to ex- of the program's exposure in Robinson's biography of Sagan to talk about that same top-secret program from 40 years ago. And he, in 1999, he publicized many of the program's hmm. details. And again, okay, but so now he's breaching the confidentiality if, or whatever. If you're counting, that makes two people okay. who thought it was okay to expose yeah. that Carl Sagan had exposed secrets in 1959 by exposing those same secrets in 1999 exactly. that were yeah. part of a program that was still secret. Yes, he absolutely okay. did that. But Rifle's exposure was more like kind of a whistleblowing hmm. thing. Okay, He revealed his part in this 40-year-old program mainly to say how stupidly misguided it was oh, and how okay. he was horrified that the goal of that program was ever even considered. So giving it up for lost, the government then declassified the program in, two, in, um, in 2000 and revealed that it was called Project A119. Hmm. What, though, was this goal? That guy rifle so riled up in 1999? It was the goal was to explode nuclear bombs on the moon. That's right. The U.S. was going to nuke the moon in 1959. Fuck apartheid. So let's get all the time, bitch. Not to mention, what's it going to do to the werewolves? Oh, I know. Right. I hadn't thought about the we'll werewolves. I'm so confused. Yes. God, you know, I'm going to be honest right now. I'm not going to have any mention of werewolves in this thing. What? And I, I feel bad about that because no one thought about it at the time. Yeah. Wow. Damn it. You know, you know, werewolves weren't big back then. I mean, they had been the Wolfman. Yes, that was like the 30s. I think I was a teenage werewolf may have been the 50s, but that yeah. was, which, y- yes, it gave us Michael Landon. Uh-huh. I give you that. But it wasn't, I don't think it was a big, big hit. I don't know. I could be wrong. Let's have some context, though, right? Context is important here. The scheme to nuke the moon was called Project A119, as I said. Less ominously, it was called, quote, a study of lunar re- research flights. That was less ominous, but it was mm, less honest as well. Kind of misleading there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was developed by the U.S. Air Force, and they started it in 1958. So what's happened in 1958? This is the year after the USSR, defunct, launched Sputnik. Hmm. Scared the shit out of us, right, of Westerners and Americans in particular. It, it was also just a few years after the USSR joined the very still very small nuclear club and exploded an A-bomb. In fact, I think they had just exploded a hydrogen bomb around this time. Hmm. It was a uh, time of heightened Cold War tensions. Also, two attempts by the, United, by the Americans to launch a satellite in, a, in what was a then-secret Project Vanguard had both recently failed. So, and also, Nikita Khrushchev is just talking a whole bunch of shit at this period in time in history, right? And, and President Eisenhower had received a report from his own military intelligence saying that the U.S. was indeed falling behind in military technology. So, so th- th- just it was like a scary time. Throw every idea at the wall and see what sticks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The so-called space race, right? Yeah. It was just starting at this time. It was kind of another proxy war. That would, you'd have lots of proxy wars throughout the Cold War. It was another one. And in 1958, the U.S. felt like this was a war that they were losing. Yeah. 
So Project A119 was a, absolutely, it was a nutty idea, but it was a time when bad ideas were in vogue, or at least were given maybe a lot more seriousness than they deserved. Yeah. Especially if they were very kind of sciencey, because science was very much seen as the, just the, the it was critical. The new frontier. Well, it, it, was, it was going to be the way <laughs> that we stayed ahead in terms of military preparedness. And yeah. just, science and technology was thought that our best strength, you know, there's a lot, Russia had this massive land mass and had lots of people we thought they'd be willing to, to let die in a war, but we would have mm-hmm. science and technology to beat them, right? If we stayed smarter than them, we'd win. So crazy mm-hmm. sciencey kind of ideas got a lot of play. Mm-hmm. Let's blow up the fucking moon. <laughs> hey guys, I've got one. Let's blow up the moon. Go on. Oh, we're listening. <laughs> so the roots of the plan can be traced to an institute called the Armor Research Foundation. R. ARF. Ooh. Oh, God. So ARF is now called the Illinois Institute of Technology. It's a research institute that did a lot of work at the time for the government and on government top secret programs. Lately at the time, a group there at ARF had been studying the effects of nuclear detonations on planet on, on our planet and its environment. Just like what exactly, we were still not completely certain what nuclear de- detonation did. We knew there was fallout. We didn't know exactly the, the ins and outs of it, how far, how deadly it was. Remember, a lot of the deaths, the, the deaths by cancer from Japan happened many, many years later. Oh, okay. And, and, and we weren't really counting. Wow. I mean, it was uh, it was in its infancy. Let's, yeah. let's put it that way. So, at the behest of the U.S. Air Force, in May of 1958, ARF began to study the effects of nuking the moon. No, I, it's not clear whose original idea that was in anything I read. Who said, you know what? What if we nuke the moon? Woo-hoo. Someone did it. The Air Force brought it to ARF. ARF said, yeah, we'll take it on. Did I miss something though? Why? Whoa. Oh, okay. I didn't miss something. <laughs> okay. We'll get to that. Okay. So the idea was to detonate nukes on the surface of the moon, not maybe shoot them down a crater or something like that, right? They would aim for the terminator of the moon. The terminator is the point at which dark and daylight moves across the surface of any planetary body as it you know, sort of loops around the sun, right? That, that mm. point, that rim of daylight and night okay. across the surface. They wanted to hit that terminator. In the, in the moon's case, since it has a dark side and a light side, it was right at the edge of the dark side and light side, right? So detonating the nuke along this line would maximize its visibility back here on Earth. Leonard Rifle at ARF was in charge of a team that was going to study, study the feasibility of this moonshot, right? Rifle, rifle, sorry, Carrie. That's all right. You told me it's pronounced rifle. Rifle brought in a guy named Jared Kuiper, who was a renowned astronomer and who indeed would lend his name to the Kuiper Belt, which I'm sure you've heard of. Of course, yes. Yeah? It's it's a bunch of rocks and things like that between Mars and Jupiter that are studied and interesting to people. Sure. Some people think it's the uh, remnant of a planet. Huh. Kuiper, in turn, brought along his star graduate student, none other than... Carl Sagan. Neil deGrasse Tyson. He was negative too. I don't know what. Neil will show up. I think he's older than we think he is. I will tell. This is is 1958. It does not crack now. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Carl Sagan, by the way, was tasked with calculating the dust cloud that would result from the nuclear explosion, which was key to the visibility on Earth. We'll have more on that later as well. 
Harry's chomping at the bed. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when the Air Force said that a hydrogen bomb would weigh way too much to rocket to the moon, the re- researchers said, okay, well, how about we do a warhead called a W-25? This is like a little, this is basically a little pop gun of a nuke. And this is, remember, this is 1958, 13 years after Hiroshima. The W-25 had like a tenth or a little more than a tenth the yield of even Little Boy, which had decimated Hiroshima. Yeah. So it wasn't much of a nuke for its time. It was a little one. It was a tactical nuke. Okay. But, it, but you know, it would be much, much easier and cheap to get to the moon, right? Because it's mm-hmm. much lighter. This bomb, though, they thought they could, because of its size, they could sort of, you know, pile it on to an ICBM, an intercontinental ballistic missile, and feasibly it could be shot to the moon by the, the, U, the United States Air Force thought they could do it as soon as 1959. So very soon. So it's like, you know, winner. Let's go. That's the plan. Yeah. Right? Wait, hold on. What? Don't countries now, like North Korea... Now is very different than, than then. So, but go ahead. But isn't their issue with them having nuclear capability... Delivery? Delivery. Yes. We had solved that, as had the Soviet Union by the 1950s. They're way behind. They're very behind. Seriously? Here, they're North Korea. When they eat like grass. When you're half your country is I mean, starving. Yeah, half? When most of your country is starving. No, it's really, really hard to do. It's everybody's biggest problem is delivery. If you look at Anybody well, yeah. can make a warhead. That's map. not hard. But, so well, we, could, we could have gotten it to the moon 50 years ago? They thought so. Probably get it now, but... Huh, okay. Uh, now, were they a little too rosy in that? Very, very likely, certainly in that timeline. But um, I mean, did we, we have ICBMs back then? We had then? ICBMs, but they're, we'll get to that in a minute, but they were early on. Because you don't need ICBMs. No. You need, you need moon IPBMs. IPBMs. Interplanetary Oh, good one. Wow, Carrie just comes up with the acronyms. Just boom, spur of the moment. Damn. It's impressive. Okay. So anyway. I think they were overestimating their capabilities I think they probably were, too. Okay. But remember, though, and in terms of like the assessment of, okay, hey, let's do it. Let's go with it. This was a time when the U.S. had, they had soldiers rush toward the mushroom cloud of an A-bomb test to simulate the invasion that would follow a nuclear kind of softening of the enemy. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they were, in hindsight, killing them. Right. It's also at a time when we sunk battleships with nuclear warheads at Pacific Atolls irradiating the lagoons yeah. forever. So it wasn't just, you know, anything was nukable to these people yeah. at this time. But obviously, this begs the question that Carrie has been begging me to yes. answer is, why yes. are we going to nuke the, the damn moon. moon? Right? Yes. Let me tell you. Okay. The stated reasons for this was to answer some intriguing questions about planetary astronomy and astrogeology, which is a thing. Just take my word for it. Okay. I don't know that what it, what it is, but it has to be. It sounds cool. There were a, kind of a, a couple versions of this, hey, we're doing this for science kind of argument for nuking the moon. One was life on the moon. No. Kill it, and then we'll see if it's there. Okay. Yeah. Not the bat-winged humanoids that were made famous in a New York Sun article in 1835 that a ton of people thought were real. Including we'll, I Love Lucy. We'll have, yes. We'll have to, <laughs> what? You remember that episode with the bat person no. on the rooftops of her apartment building? It I do not. turned out it was Lucy. She and Ethel uh, were trying to 
I don't know. Ah, oh, that Lucy. Make a scandal or... She's so crazy. Something. I did not remember that, no. Oh, okay. I didn't watch that many of them. Google it. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Okay. okay. Well, that, but we'll have to do that in a podcast one of these days. It's called The Moon Hoax, but at the time... I mean, they, they, it was about this article in the New York Sun. It was about this scientist had invented a telescope that could see the moon, and he described these bat-like humanoid creatures and all this whole society that he, I mean, literally he's seen yeah. the surface of the moon like it's just a mile away. Maybe this was it, the basis of the I Love it, Lucy it could be. episode. It could be. It was kind of a it's famous probably thing. probably about the right time frame, right? No, it, this is written in 1835. Oh, no. So <laughs> I don't know if it was or not. But anyway, this was the late 1950s. So before we had sampled the lunar soil, and realized that the moon was just, you know, rock and sand and dust. So a lot of people, including Sagan, wanted to know if maybe there were microbes or just anything organic at all on the moon. So we're not, not, not talking sentient life, just microorganisms, something like that. Amoebas. We didn't know. We yeah. didn't know if there was or wasn't. Hidden away in some crater, something like that, right? Uh, not entirely sure how nuking the moon would allow them to find this out, yeah. but they wanted to try. Well, I was thinking maybe, uh, you know, a, a simulated... Or stimulated. I don't know what I'm saying. Whoa, 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 whoa. Big bang. Whoa, Carrie, whoa. Playing the, play the room a little blue here. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're saying a lot, a lot of, a lot of phrases to, here. To give it a jump start. Okay, Carrie, that's three. You don't, do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? <laughs> Not at all. Blow something up and maybe. Whoa, okay, okay, that's four. <laughs> your own little big bang. Yeah. Oh my God, five. Start the evolution of. No, this was not. Creatures. Terraforming. Okay. No, this was to find out if there were microorganisms on there, okay? Mm-hmm. Others wanted to cull some other little scientific tidbits from Nuke and the Moon. They could, for instance, study the lunar chemistry and thermal conductivity of the moon, for example, by nuking okay. it, they thought. Rifle thought that a big explosion on the moon would tell them about what was below the immediate surface of the moon. That is, they could put some what they called instrument packages on the moon that would detect seismic activity and other things like that when the nuke went off, and that would tell them a lot with the sound waves. You can actually find out a lot about the sort of the subsurface yeah. of what's going on out there. Had we sent anything to the moon at this point? No one had. Okay. So those are some neat things, some neat sciencey things, right? But most importantly, if detonated on the surface, the explosion would be seen as kind of a flash of light from the Earth and then kind of a brighter glow in the aftermath of the detonation. This is why that dust cloud that Carl Sagan was working on, was calculating, was so critical. If the dust cloud, you know, more or less encompassed the moon, it would be backlit by the sun and it would be visible as like this lit halo all around the moon. I mean, that would be awesome. I grant you that. But otherwise, what was the point of that? Right? Yeah. Now here's where that context comes in. The moon nuke would be seen not just by Uh, Americans, but by by those crafty Russians, right? The explosion, first of all, and that haloed moon would essentially be a show of awesome force by the U.S. It's a way of kind of signaling to the USSR that the reach of the Americans' destructive technology was scary to them. If we can mook the noon... Did you say mook the noon? I did, so I'm going to redo that. (laughs) If we can nuke the moon... We can sure as hell nuke Moscow, the, the yeah. theory was, right? So Well, they already knew we could nuke them, right? Uh, yeah, but this would be, uh, I, mean, it, I mean, we nuke Japan. Look how badass we are. Yeah. yeah. Japan was from a plane that flew over 
directly over Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Very, very different than nuking the moon. Project A119 proponents also, by the way, they hope to sort of boost the morale of the American people. Remember, we, we, mm-hmm. we felt like we were losing. We, yeah. People were scared of the whole Sputnik thing. Look, we can blow shit up. Exactly. Yes, hey, look, we can nuke it. the moon. We're number one. We're number one. People we're would we're buy good. those foam number one yeah. ha- hands, but the, the index finger would have like a mushroom cloud at the end of it. That would be super cool. Very 50s. That was the mm-hmm. idea, right? But again, the key was showing the Russians that our ICBMs could be lethal at great distance because, I mean, this is a time when the world was just getting used to this idea of, of instantaneous destruction from in minutes from thousands of miles away. That was yeah. a fairly new thing. Yeah. And so this would say, boom, we can do it. We can do it. If we can nuke the moon, we can get you guys. Be afraid, be very afraid. We're winning again. So it was, it was mainly the, the whole science ideas <laughs> were almost certainly postdoc bullshit. It was all about uh, this show of force and this boost of morale. Yeah, there what, could have been an easier way to get that mm-hmm. message Katie, across. Uh-uh, but okay, whatever. I, I'm sure there was a coolness factor to it, too. Yeah. What now? You want to what, what now? Uh, interesting. As the team at ARF studied the science of the uh, moonshot, Rifle and his his uh, teammates there realized fairly early on that it might not work as they hoped, sadly. Hmm. Most critical to this was that that massive cloud storm that they needed to really show it off and show the light was not going to be as awesome as they initially hoped. The problem that if you actually think about it, it seems obvious, and it kind of goes back to the whole Martian Elon Musk thing. The moon has virtually no atmosphere. Mars is a thin atmosphere, and it would lose the vaporized CO2, right, if you nuked yeah. Mars? Yeah. Well, the moon has very, very, very thin atmosphere, if you even call it that. It has some gases that are held there close mm-hmm. to the surface, but that's about it. So without any atmospheric resistance to this, this rising dust storm, there'd be no mushroom cloud at all to get backlit by the sun, right? Yeah. It'd be just dust and debris sort of dissipating, just dispersing up and away from quickly. the de- detonation. Yeah. It would just be filtering yeah. out. Yeah, so very... it would be for nothing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there'd be that initial lit big blast. Mm-hmm. But if you're not looking at it, that's it. You yeah, miss it, it. It'd be a second. Yeah. It'd be over. The backlit show would last not at all, maybe not even show up. So that was something they pointed out to the United States Air Force brass fairly early on. Yeah. Even more important, though, was maybe a little, a little dose of sanity mm-hmm. came their way by someone on this in the decision-making process. Yeah, I don't know who it was. Uh, they, they feared that doing this, nuking the moon, might actually panic the U.S. public or yeah. bring a negative. Yeah, you know, it's like, what if hey, they thought the USSR did it. Well, no, because the U.S. would say we oh, did it. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, it's like who? I don't know. <laughs> and they went past like I don't know. Who, what are you I'll talking look about? Up and be like, Fuck, <laughs> we're getting nuked. Okay, hit the deck. <laughs> well, you know, they thought some of the public in the nineteen late nineteen fifties would see this as sort of militarizing space, and they thought mm-hmm. that that'd be a negative reaction. Personally, I think they're giving way too much credit to the late 1950s American public. I think that would have been most, yeah, yeah, kind of a reaction. But some folks in the Air Force were worried that it wouldn't be. They, you know, they were worried of some kind of negative public reaction. Also, by the way, some folks were worried that if the nuke failed to hit the moon <laughs> yeah. that was being targeted, it would fall back yep. to the Earth and land right around where... It left here on Mother Earth. Yeah. So, so that, that is to say that the U.S. Air Force could be blamed, rightly so, 
for nuking the Earth in its attempt to nuke the moon. Yeah, Cape Canaveral. Yes, or wherever it would have been. They probably would have done it overseas somewhere. Hey, Australia, yeah. can you use that launch pad there, <laughs> buddies? What for? Nothing, nothing. I mean, just, just be cool, man. Be a bro. Uh, I mean, that would create some negative public reaction for sure, right? Yeah. Even best case scenario, the United States Air Force worry that maybe most Americans would see this as just kind of just messing up the moon. They, well, that's fun my primary yeah. concern. Fun with nature. <laughs> exactly. And, and talk about un, unknown, unintended consequences. Yeah, yeah what the fuck will happen? You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So in other words, it's like, oh, some people say, no, it's going to be like a badass display of force. And they thought, well, you know what? Maybe the reaction is, hey, what are you doing? What a dumb what? idea. Yeah. Now you just messed up the moon. We like the moon. Yeah. So yeah, just they thought, they started getting worried about what the exact nature of the reaction would be. And a and monumental waste of a shit ton of tax money. Oh, yeah. Be like, hey, school sucks. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have clean water. What's up with that? Let's let's nuke the moon. Spend all the money on that water cleaning to nuke the moon. So also remember at time, NASA had some plans for the moon, didn't they? We were, for one, we were not sure about life on the moon again. Remember, as I mentioned earlier? Yeah. So what if it turns out we extinguished life on the moon before we ever set a foot on our little planetoid in the sky? Mm -hmm. Also, this was the time just before the moon race Began and there were already plans. I was going to say, weren't they already working? Absolutely, on it? Yeah, absolutely. There were already plans to land on the moon, to land land a man on the moon, and that was that was considered. A, not only was was landing someone on the moon considered a future goal by NASA, but actually colonizing the moon was being thought of very already? seriously. Absolutely, huh. uh, mo- probably more seriously then than now, because you know they didn't realize again, completely yeah. yet realize just how difficult that's going to be. The more you get, the more you realize how hard it is. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be very, very, I mean, it took, doing, when, when uh, Kennedy said that, we're going to land on the moon in 10 years, and it, it, that was greeted with like, what the fuck, dude? Shut your mouth, NASA said to Kennedy behind his back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just put us in the, on the spot, because that yeah. was not their timeline. That was considered mm-hmm. extremely difficult to do, and it was difficult to do. But, you know, what if they nuked the moon in 1959, and then whatever, yeah. 30, 40, 50 years later, in the far off 2019, for mm-hmm. instance, they sent a colony to the moon and it was irradiated by our own nuclear fallout from some yep. pointless show of force years and years before. The irony. Wouldn't we feel stupid? Yes, they would. So they thought, well, so NASA was against it and people who were into the, the moon landing and, and such were very much against it. Ultimately, though, it would, may have been just the sheer scope of the endeavor that killed this Project A119. The initial paper by, paper by Rifle and his team that outlined, you know, how they would do it and all the, the things like that. It, very clear that this was, this was a massive undertaking. And there'd be lots of hurdles along the way, including they said they we guarantee there'll be things we're not thinking about right now. Yeah. Unknown unknowns, it's as Donald Rumpet spelled. Mm-hmm. So it was gonna be long and expensive. And at the end of the day, they could not at all ensure the U- US Air Force that it was gonna happen. That they'd achieve the goal. Yeah. So they killed it. It died in its infancy. It basically never got past the planning stage. Turns out, though, that great minds think alike. Because apparently, the USSR had a similar nuke the moon kind of plan in the works at this same time that also never got past the planning stages. Of course stages. they did. Apparently, even as Project A119 was in play, there were rumors that the, at the time. In fact, apparently, bef- there were rumors before 
as early as 1957 that the USSR was going to, to nuke the moon. Intelligence sources had told us about this from the Soviet Union, and they even reported in newspapers at the time, which wow. I found a little surprising. Was it for the same reasons? Uh, similar reasons, presumably, but they were going to detonate a hydrogen bomb on the, on mm. the moon, which, again, we discarded immediately. Yeah. It turns out, though, later on, uh, we found some papers in Soviet sources. I mean, late by later on, I mean, I, I, I want to say, oh, God, I, I can't remember now. I, I want to say like 2009 or something like that. And it turns out, maybe the 1990s, uh, no, it was, I think it was later, 2009 or so, is that actually these, this effort didn't start in t- 1957 before us. It actually started in 1958. And was the idea was that they were going to sort of um, commemorate, I guess commemorate, commemorate the anniversary of the October Revolution because there's going to be a lunar eclipse in November. There's a calendar issue there yeah, with the whole yeah. uh, Russian Revolution. So, But anyway, that was the idea. And the program, the Russian program, was would have involved sending first a probe to the moon, then photographing the moon, and then finally, weirdly, nuking the moon. Huh. You know, it's not clear, actually, now that I think about it. I'm with you up to photographing motivation. the moon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beyond that. <laughs> but as with us, Soviet astronomers and the phys- physicists said, you know, it might miss and come back on us. So Khrushchev said, yet. So cooler heads prevailed in yes. USSR also. Exactly. That's good. Exactly. And I'll, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was also, it's going to cost how much now? Yeah. Mm, let's pass. Yeah. I like to think they went home to their wives and said, we got this cool new idea, Irina. And she was like, yo, what is it? Ivan, and then he was like, we're going to fucking nuke the moon. And she was like, no, you fucking idiot. That's fucking dumb. We need fish and shit in the ocean to work. Don't do that. And he was like, oh, okay. And then he went and he was like, hey, guys, I got this cool idea. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Not because my wife told me not to, but because I'm a smart man. And then he was shot for telling his wife about something super, 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 super secret. Um, do you think Irina went and told anyone? He just told his com- Padres there, no, his he didn't tell comrades him. about his wife. He said, not because my wife, Irina. And they're going to say, okay, you told your wife, Irina. Boom, bolt to the back of the head. the best black yeah. caviar. <laughs> <laughs> so in the af- let's talk about the aftermath of this. So maybe neither the U.S. Or, or the USSR actually nuked the moon, but we have roughed up the moon a little bit more yeah. recently. During, yeah, okay, what? <laughs> we left, we leave our trash we up there. That's true, on that's it. true, that's true. But poop. we've done a little bit worse than that. During the, the U.S. Apollo missions that first landed humans on, on the moon, NASA also detonated a few small explosives oh. on the moon. The idea was to find out if the moon had moonquakes, essentially. Moon if the moon quakes. could have quakes, right? And this they would allow them... plates? Yeah, well, no, they don't. But they wanted to find out if there could be seismic activity there and what it would do. And also, remember, going back even to the Project A119, by testing sound waves and such, you can find out a lot about the subsurface, subsurface of the moon, the rocks and the, and the layers and such like okay. that. As and that. Yes. As Miss South Carolina such would say. Such as and. Such as and that. And, it, and they did. We did learn a little bit. You know, no harm, no foul. A couple of explosions. Not nuclear. Good. But then in 2008... India tested its emerging presence in space with a lunar probe called Chandrayaan-1. I'm assuming I pronounced that right. This probe achieved lunar orbit, their first time doing that, and it then dropped a big old rock, essentially, on the surface of the moon, right? 
This let the Indians test for the presence of water vapor. Wait a the, second. In, Did they bring a rock with them? Yeah. Ooh, I got a problem with that. Why? It's litter? Because they're leaving a foreign yeah. Yeah, well. object on there. What if there's like... Did they make sure there was no life on it? <laughs> Yeah. On the on the rock? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they didn't. They dropped a rock. They dropped something. Okay. I don't maybe know what it was. They dropped just like a big artificial. Did maybe it was. Did they pick it up and oh, was no. it a moon oh, rock? No. Like a moon Absolutely rock? not. Absolutely not. Okay. Yeah. So they dropped something heavy. I'll just say that now <laughs> that you have attacking me. <laughs> they dropped something heavy. Is they tested the, the resulting dust cloud for water vapor and they found a little bit. Ooh. So good on you, India. Yeah. Did a good job, right? So the NASA felt left out and maybe one-upped, so they initiated something <sighs> called L-Cross in, in 2009. This, is, this stood for Lunar Crater Observation and Sensing Satellite. It's kind of a low-cost option sent to study the whole idea of water on the moon that the Indians had detected with Chandrayaan-1. L-Cross dropped a rocket stage when its fuel was spent, right? Yeah. So a spent rocket stage. They just let it drop <laughs> on yeah. the surface of the moon. And a companion craft that was with this, this the L-Cross ship studied the dust that rose up just like the Indians did just a, the year before, right? Uh-huh. But to one-up the Indian mission, NASA also hurtled that very companion craft onto the lunar surface <laughs> and studied that resulting <laughs> dust cloud. Did it twice. <laughs> so let's do it twice. It turns out, again, there is a little bit of water on the moon, but is anyone going to pick up this litter on the surface of the moon? No. No. Na- not cool. Carry in, carry out. That's yes. the policy, NASA. Yep. Go get your shit. And we learned about space trash in what mm-hmm. movie? Um, the space how trash. How dangerous it is? Uh, um, interstellar. Gravity. Gravity. That's it. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. About space trash. I didn't watch that movie. Look what we've done to Mount Everest. For fear. Yes. Yes, People we just learned it with shit in their God bodies. Damn it. God damn it. So that's what we... So we have... You know, like I said, roughed up the moon a little bit, but we've never nuked it yet, and hopefully we will never will. Yeah, I I vote against it. Do you? Mm-hmm. I'm also anti-nuking things, mm-hmm. just in general, including planetary bodies. I could see Kim Jong-un wanting to nuke the moon. Like, fuck you. Can well, show it for, for the exact same reasons, too, by the way. Yeah. See how tough I am. And then... Mm-hmm. Um, Trump would say, oh, he sent me a beautiful letter. So everything's good. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. It's a beautiful letter. It was beautiful. Uh, Very, and great. his his uh, space group there from Central Casting, they yes. look so great. They look just <laughs> like space scientists. <laughs> they look like astronauts more even than McConaughey. Uh-huh. So that's the story of nuking the moon, the story that thankfully mm-hmm. never happened. Well, that's just strange. <laughs> good. Because it's on Weird World, so hopefully it is strange. Not strange world, but you know, same thing. They're synonyms. Yes. So it works. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. That's it? Yeah. What'd you think? Weird. Yeah. All right. All right. Why? (laughs) Just why? Yeah. Toxic masculinity. Probably. But you know what? The other thing is, it's good to have ideas. (laughs) It is good. It's good to be creative. Yeah. It's like the mom in the room. You guys, you know what? It's good ideas. yeah. Really stupid to actually do this, but, but yeah. you know what? Stupid. But it's good to you know points for trying. Come up with yeah, a plan effort. and test it out and think about it and see if Waste it'll money. work or not. <laughs> I say good for you guys. Yeah. All right, go get haircuts. Not your, everything. Has your hair's to be. a quarter inch long. You're a hippie. Go get a haircut, Shepherd. Well, Carrie, 
date. Tell them where they can find us. Weird World Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon. Weird World Pod on Twitter. And Weird World Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Carrie. You're welcome. Send us pictures of your dog. <laughs> okay. All right. And not their cats? Okay, cats, dogs, cats, and dogs. Cats. Oh, and if goats, you have a hamster, bunnies. Oh, how about a goat? Bunnies. If you have a baby goat, with in pajamas, send them oh. to Oh, yeah. Goats and coats and lammies and jammies. That's the <laughs> motherfucking calendar I got. In fact, I believe next week we will have a little story about goats, goats? for goats you. As a matter of fact, there will be a goat-based episode coming up next week. Let's let's commit to it right now. Okay, dokie. Right. Until we then. A, we got a couple goat we do. related we do. podcasts weird, yeah. man. in the hopper. Well, I, yeah, they're weirder than you might think. Because I don't think you were there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll have to listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Until then, in, until the next goat episode, see you later. Thanks for listening. Ciao.